and welcome to another episode of A Murderous Affair, the podcast about women in history known for mayhem and murder. My name is Gabrielle, and today we are covering the legendary warrior queen, Nzinga Mbande. But first, let's get through our resources. Our resources for the week, AmazingWomenInHistory.com, as well as AllThat'sInteresting.com, and then, of course, my favorite site, Rejected Princesses, has a whole entry, as well as this really cool PDF file I found through the University of Florida's Center for African Studies, which is titled Irohin 2012. It's a really cool, I think, magazine, about 32 pages long about different historical figures in Africa and it was really helpful for this episode. So today we are journeying to South Africa into what is now known as Angola and we're going to talk about the legendary warrior queen Nzinga Mbande. And once again I apologize if I am mispronouncing anything. I've checked out some phonetic spellings but sometimes that doesn't always translate into the completely correct way of saying it so I would like to apologize once again. Tried my best so I'm I'm sorry if I mispronounce anything. Born around 1582 or 1583 Nzinga was the daughter of the Ngola or the king of her people. She was the oldest of four siblings and was described from an early age as being intelligent and driven. Rumor has it that when she was born, the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck, which was then a sign of being a good leader and being expected to do great things. So now I'm not really sure how true or realistic this is because it sounds a little too on the nose and fairy tale like to be completely true. And also I wasn't able to find anything that correlated that claim but it is an interesting little rumor nonetheless. Nzinga only had one brother, Mbandi, and when their father died around 1617, he was the one who inherited the throne. Now, around this time, Portugal was concentrating most of their efforts on the expanding slave trade that was being established in South Africa. While Nzinga and Mbandi's father had managed to negotiate some sort of like tentative peace between their people and the Portuguese colonists, Mbandi didn't have nearly the same political prowess and he would oftentimes flee in the face of danger. So, taking all this into context, it was right around the turn of the century after the Portuguese had burned down the capital city and widespread famine began to spread through their people that Mbandi called on his sister for help. Nzinga was 40 at this time, and part of her role as the daughter of the Ngola was to act as an ambassador for her people. Also, quick side note, I also really wanted to cover the story because it's not often that we find these stories about women who were these fantastic and um, legendary leaders that aren't portrayed as being like 20 to 30. I just think it's a really important story to show like, hey, your life continues after you're 35 years old, no matter what Hollywood would like you to believe. Anyway, back on track. In 1622, Nzinga took her servants to the capital city of Cabasa to meet with the viceroy of the Portuguese. Um, the viceroy was basically the official who was in charge of running things while they were in the country. When she arrived, the viceroy and his fellow representatives were all seated and provided no chair to her. So, what does Nzinga, the eldest daughter of the Angola, representative of her people, do in the face of this disrespect? Well, she has one of her servants get down on their hands and knees and then sits on their back, forming a human chair. Then she proceeds to talk in length about the power and strength of her kingdom and how they are ready and willing to fight for their land and rights. She completely presents these arguments logically and matter of fact and in doing so completely impresses the viceroy and everyone with him. Now there is a belief that after using her servant as a chair she then slit their throat and told the Portuguese people quote she didn't use the same chair twice 
and expected a new chair to be provided for her upon their next meeting. Eventually, Nzinga and the Portuguese people signed a treaty, which was also hinged on the fact that Nzinga would have to convert to Catholicism. After she was baptized and given the name Ana da Souza, she returned back home. Now, there's also a torn belief that upon returning home in 1624, Nzinga either killed her brother to establish that she was the better ruler, or her brother committed suicide due to his lack of skills as a leader. Either way, her brother died, not to really any grief from their people, and Nzinga took over as their ruler. One thing Nzinga did do in order to solidify her reign was to kill her brother's son, her own nephew. Her people embraced her as their leader, and she actually insisted on going by the masculine title of Ngola, which was then actually later adapted into the present name of Angola. When she officially took over, she formally renounced Catholicism and encouraged her people to embrace their cultural religions, ceremonies, and other practices, which had been discouraged at that time during Mbandi's rule. In 1626, the Portuguese broke terms of the treaty that they'd established with Nzinga and therefore led to her reconstructing her entire army with herself and her sisters in charge. The three of them would lead attacks on the Portuguese people, but ultimately they lost as the Portuguese were equipped with horses and more weapons. During one of these attacks, her sisters were kidnapped and imprisoned. In 1630, Nzinga would lead her people on what would be a five-year journey to find peace. They eventually settled in the land of Matamba and began to regroup and continue their battles against the Portuguese. Nzinga would personally lead all of the battles in the Portuguese ahead of her warriors, and many times they were actually successful enough to cause the Portuguese people to retreat. Eventually, with the threat of the Portuguese expanding their reach into Matamba, Nzinga was inspired to ally herself with their enemies the Dutch. She would trade the Dutch prisoners of war and in exchange received guns and ammunition. With this allyship, eventually Nzinga's people and the Dutch were able to get themselves on equal ground as the Portuguese and actually defeated them a couple times, leading Nzinga to be a leader that the Portuguese would respect and consider very shrewd and cunning. In 1663, Nzinga died and she left behind a completely thriving kingdom. And that is the story of Nzinga Mbande, the warrior queen of what is now known as Angola. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and I would love to know what you guys thought. If you have any other cool facts about Nzinga, if you would like to correct my pronunciation, please feel free. Reach out to me at Frumius Reads on Twitter, Instagram, or Tumblr. You can find all things about the podcast on frumiusreads.com forward slash a dash murderous dash affair, where you can listen to episodes and stay up to date with all these cool new announcements that are happening. We also officially have merchandise, which I'm so excited for. Oh my gosh. If you have not checked out our merchandise yet, feel free to do so. Go to frumiusreads.com forward slash shop and you can get one of two designs printed on amazingly soft t-shirt proclaiming your love for either the Murderous Affair podcast or expressing your support for equality because feminism means that women can be murderers too. Either way, I'd love if you can check it out. But that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you stay spooky, friends, and I'll talk to you next week. Okay, goodbye.